Hello, this is Yaro Starak, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Pat Flynn. Hi, thanks for downloading this episode of the EJ podcast. My guest today, Pat Flynn, this is actually his second time on the show, so we're not going to do a background entrepreneur's journey style interview. Instead, we have a different topic, and I'll let you figure out what that is in a moment when the discussion starts. But first, if you have not yet joined the Interviews Club email list to make sure you get these interviews as soon as I release them, you need to go to interviewsclub.com, which will direct you to a blog blog post where you can then sign up for the email list to get all my latest interviews as soon as they are released. Now, here's the discussion with Pat Flynn. Enjoy. Hello, this is Yara Starek and welcome to a special edition of the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Uh, We're not going to do the traditional background story of an entrepreneur because my guest today has already done that interview with me many, many years ago. And in fact, it was possibly one of the most popular podcasts I did. In case you're wondering who that was, his name is Pat Flynn. And if you're doing anything online to do with, I guess, making money or passive income or podcasting, you've probably heard of this guy's name. But today with Pat, we're going to dive deep into the subject of essentially proving that your topic can make money or finding a topic that can make money as Pat's about to release a brand new book called Will It Fly, which really covers this subject. So we're going to talk to Pat and find out how he's made the decision to pick the products and services that he's sold and determine whether they can be profitable or perhaps not. And also how he advises other people. And uh, obviously, I've done a bit of the same advising people how to pick topics. So we're going to really riff. And hopefully, by the end of this podcast, you will have a lot more insight into validating or finding a profitable topic for your online business. So Pat, welcome for episode two of the Pat and Yarrow podcast. <laughs> yeah, back again. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Yarrow. I appreciate you uh, inviting me back. And I'm, I, obviously, this is uh, top of mind to me right now because it's, it's what my book is about. But it, you know, where this book came from is actually, you know, I have a, a, another podcast called Ask Pat where I answer a voicemail question from my audience five days a week. And, you know, so I get dozens of questions every day who wanna, uh, from people who want to be featured on that show. And the number one question was, well, how do I know if this thing I'm working on is going to work out. You know, a lot of people don't have much time and they want to use their time exactly where it should be spent. And, you know, we've all heard stories of people focusing on their businesses for sometimes years only to have it not work out. And that, that's very scary and, and for obvious reasons. Um, so that along with a survey, when I surveyed my audience earlier this year, it was just confirmation that this was definitely the topic to tackle. And it's a, it's a tough one, which is why I think a lot of people don't go too deep into it. I mean, validation and things like that is not something brand new. Uh, there are a lot of different ways and levels to validate an idea to decide whether or not it's going to fit in that market that you're trying to get into. Um, but I first heard about it in Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Work Week. There was a chapter called Testing the Muse, where he micro tested. Uh, I think it was he was it was just a hypothetical uh, example, but he was selling French sailors shirts, I think. And he set up a landing page and drove cold traffic to it from AdWords. And uh, he would just keep track of how many people were clicking on that buy now button. And if nobody clicked on it, then you know that that's a business that you don't have to go into and you wouldn't have kind of wasted all that time setting up the business before you finally realized that it didn't work. So that's that's why it's, it's such an important thing. And now, I mean, that was written in 2007. Years later now, 
gosh, it's almost eight, nine years, uh, there are a lot more tools available, a lot more knowledge out there in terms of doing this. And a lot of people are validating businesses actually getting paid for these ideas up front sometimes from their potential customers in all different niches um, to let them know that this is something they want to go down. And the the cool thing about this is when you validate your idea, whether it is going to work or it isn't going to work, it's a win for you because then you know what to do next. I'd really like to dive into your your evolution of this process because, um, yes, you know Tim Ferriss presents that sort of analytical Google AdWords driven approach, and I remember that was even earlier days. I, I, 2001, some of the internet marketers were talking about validation through paid advertising first. I remember reading about that and going, that just sounds so boring to me. I hated the idea of that. It sounds soulless. It sounds analytical. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to go, I care about a subject and try and figure out how to make money out of it. But then there's a lot of people who share that belief, try and do it and don't make money because it's a passion and maybe it's not a passion shared by enough people or maybe they, you know, they don't know how to market a business. There's all kinds of pieces of the puzzle they have to get right. So could you maybe talk about in terms of even your own projects, I know when I first interviewed you, you had just had your initial success with your your leads exam niche ebook, and then the Smart Passive Income blog and podcast, which then turned into a whole bunch of other products and services you've released. Have you found yourself sort of evolving from I'm focusing on a passion to I'm doing analytical to meshing the two? Like, where do you sit on that? Almost like an argument, you know, I prefer analytical versus I prefer passion. Where where do you fit with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to be a combination of both. And I, I'm so glad you brought this up because passion is important, of course, but it could also get in the way of really just bringing us back to reality in terms of what will and what won't work. And I think there has to be a crossover because, for example, a lot of people know I have a site at securityguardtraininghq.com, which was validated through some series of keyword research and things like that, which is, you know, that kind of validation process has changed because Google has changed too. But you know, when you think about it, I'm like, I'm not passionate about security guard training, um, but I am passionate about helping people find the information they need as soon as possible, which is where that comes from. So I think there's there are ways to put passion into your project without it having to be completely about that. Because you're right, it has to have some, there has to be some sort of analytics and proof behind that concept before you actually can know and continue to move forward with it. And a lot of times it's, you know, traditionally, especially in the online space, it's it's sort of a, you build your thing and you put it out there and you just shout from the rooftops and you kind of hope it works. Mm. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But either way, you don't know exactly what's happening because you've kind of just done everything at the same time. Whereas now in, in, in the book, it kind of breaks down that process of building into very specific steps and iterations so that if if you come to a stopping point at one of those steps, you know what part messed up and you can kind of refocus and see if it is something that, you know, maybe it's the the market that isn't interested, or maybe it's the way you shared it or things like that. So, you know, either way, I think the most important thing is to, before you're getting into an idea, whether you have a business already and you're looking to add more products into it, or you're somebody who's just starting out and you're looking to test your idea, you have to talk to people about it. You have to see what the reaction is. You have to gauge that first before anything, because, you know, I made the mistake back in 2010, a couple of our friends actually uh, had built WordPress plugins that did really, really well. They were making six figures a month. And I was like, I want to do that. So I immediately jumped into it, completely rushed into it, just came up with a couple ideas in my head, didn't validate it, didn't talk about it with anyone. And primarily because I was like, I wanted, I want this to be a big splash. I want it to be a surprise. I'm going to keep it secret until launch day and it's going to explode. And everyone, you know, I have this platform already built and it's going to do amazing. And so I rushed into it. I actually paid a developer 15 grand to build these ideas. And the sad thing is 
I didn't even know exactly what I wanted. I just knew I kind of what I wanted a little bit. But then because of that, the communication with the developer was just very poor and I would get upset at him and he'd get upset at me. And, you know, I didn't take that little bit of time up front to really plan things out, to talk about this idea, to figure out what it was. And then finally, once these plugins were built, I was just not happy with them. And I finally went to talk to people about them. And I was like, guys, like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like, what do you think about this? And they were like, this is a terrible idea. Like, I don't know why you spent all this time doing this. Like, nobody needs this or there are ways to do this much easier than the way you're tr- you're proposing. And gosh, Pat, you, you should have just like talked to me first. You know, that's what a lot of people said. Um, and I truly wish I did that. But it was a, it was a big lesson, a $15,000 lesson that I'm obviously happy to pass on. And I think the other part of that was I didn't have passion in it. It was specifically done just to chase money. And uh, whenever I've done that in the past, it's always not worked out. It's always been, okay, well, what what's the problem I'm solving? Learning about that, learning about the people in and around that problem and how they describe it, and then providing a solution for that. As, as you know, and as you teach, it's, it's all about solving somebody's problem in a convenient and easy way, not about chasing money. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, you unfortunately reminded me of a few lots of thousand dollars I've wasted on a few projects over the years. <laughs> I remember um, a long time ago, my, my proofreading company, I Better Edit, I wanted to turn what was largely a manual process done with human beings and email into an automated software process. And I got quoted 30 grand for it. And I put in about 15 grand. And, and then I said, stop, this is crazy. It doesn't need software. In fact, human beings and email is probably the best way to do this. So, you know, it's it, it, sometimes you get more excited about creating something new, I think, than actually, like you said, planning and then realizing whether people need it. So can we turn their attention into the, the type of person listening to this? They're very likely some kind of expert teacher, author, speaker, trainer, coach, someone who has skills and knowledge, and they want to translate that into digital products, sell through blogging, email marketing, you know, live that passive income lifestyle or laptop totally. lifestyle, as I call it. And, but, you know, pretty much in teaching, they love what they do. They know their passion, their subject. They're really helping people probably privately. So they kind of know the, the, the problems people have. What do you say to that person when it comes to translating that into an online business and validating whether that will actually work as an online business? Yeah, well, even before we get to uh, sharing this idea with others and potentially even pitching it and getting paid for it before before you even build it, um, you have to figure out what's out there already. And I like to, there's a chapter in the book called The Market Map, which is actually where you find your three Ps of your market. The first P is the places. Where 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 do all these people exist online and offline? So you kind of know where where they're at. And the second P are the people, the other influencers in the space, because those are, those are great to know because those people have some clout, some trust with that audience already. And that's a great thing because you could potentially reach out to those people. You could potentially partner or JV with them or guest post on their site, get a become a guest on their podcast and whatnot. And then the final P is the products that are already out there, the products. What books, what courses, what software, what things are they already paying for? And once you create this sort of map, you know, when you outline all these things and see what's out there already, it's very easy to see what position you could come in and and kind of, you know, make your own. Because a lot of times we get into a space and we, we are already doing somebody something else is doing, which isn't bad because they've validated that that thing's working already. But when you are going to a space and doing something exactly the same as others, you're always going to be second best or there's just the follower, not the leader, not, not the person, not the innovator. Um, so, it, you know, the, the cool thing about this is when I run this exercise with others, 
it's almost a, an immediate understanding of how the space works. And that's something that a lot of people who are in that space serving that audience already don't even know because they're so deep into it. And so for those of us who are just getting started and you might feel like you're behind, I mean, maybe so, but you are actually at an advantage because you can see it from sort of top-down bird's-eye perspective what's going on and you can put yourself in that place uh, of the customer and see what needs to be done. And so, you know, that's the first part of it. So this is, we're talking about market research still at this point. And then it, then it goes into customer research. And I know a lot of us uh, have talked about, you know, the customer avatar and, you know, even creating a name for this uh, person who is of your ideal audience and things like that, which I think is important. And I know where that exercise comes from. It's because you want to know that and make sure that your message, your product, whatever the solution you're creating, the blog, podcast, anything that you're creating is for that person. You always have this person in mind when you move forward. However, you know, I don't like the just just thinking about that because you need to feel what your customers are feeling. You need to get to know them. You need to literally talk to them. And this person, this avatar you're creating is is just made up. And when I've gone through the avatar exercises, I always feel a little kind of unfulfilled because I don't know, I can't reach out to that person, you know, Jimmy, who's so-and-so with X amount of kids and has this problem. Like I can't talk to him. And so I created something called the Creating the Customer plan, P-L-A-N. And so that acronym is, well, first you kind of got to talk to people, whether it's through surveys of an audience you've already built or through one-on-one conversations with people you know, or you get in front of these other audiences by delivering value to that other influencer and then therefore get access to their to their customers uh, or to, to, to your potential customers and can talk to them. But you need to figure out what those problems are. And then you can find a, kind of decide, well, is this idea I have actually in alignment with those problems or not? You might actually shift your uh, solution based off of just those conversations alone. But the second part, the L and the P-L-A-N is the language that they use. And this is where a lot of people struggles because, you know, us as providers, content providers, experts, you know, we have this thing called the curse of knowledge, which is, you know, it's hard to know what it's like to not know something. Once you know something, it's almost impossible to know what it's like to not know it, to be in the customer's shoes. And so understanding the language that they use to describe their problems and that sort of thing is really important. So I go through a number of exercises in the book to find out where people are talking about these things on blogs and forums and how to extract that language that they use and almost create a database of, of vocabulary that you should use when pitching your product in the future or, or writing blog posts or doing guest posts or uh, writing ebooks or you know anything related to your potential product. Now the A, and that's my favorite part, are the anecdotes or the stories that go along with this person who has this particular problem. So through conversation, through looking at stories and forums, and there's actually some cool Google tricks you can use to find specific phrases within specific websites. It's sort of, you know how when you put quotations in Google, it finds you know that exact uh, order of words everywhere on the web. Well, you can do the same thing, but then add site colon and then a website. So if I were to say, uh, if I were to put awesome post in quotations, space, site, entrepreneurs-journey.com, I would find every page on your site where somebody had said, awesome post. So you can do the same thing and find out where people said, great story, or I have a story, or you know all those kinds of things. You can find out a lot of information on forums where people open up. People open up in forums sometimes more than they do with their you know, immediate relationships and families because they are with their own people there. So you know, once you find these stories, you get, you get to really feel what, what the people have in terms of pain and problems. And then the end, is sort of your hypothesis, the need. So after you figure out the plan, 
or the, excuse me, the products and the people in the marketplace, and then the problems that they're going through, the language, then finding actual people with their stories, then you create a hypothesis of what that need is. And it may or may not align with that original idea. And most of the time, it actually doesn't, which is really interesting because now you're actually focusing on the customer, not you and what you think, but actually what you know the customer needs. And from there, that end, that hypothesis, sort of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Mythbusters, yep. but it, it's it's one of my favorite shows, one of my son's favorite shows. And what they do is they use science and data to prove or disprove certain things that people have said, certain myths. They either bust them or confirm them. And a lot of times when they have a large scale experiment to run, what they do is they create a very small scale version of it to test a hypothesis and then to figure out what's going on. And that's exactly what you're doing in this validation process is you're kind of creating a small scale version based off of that need, that hypothesis that you have, reaching out to actual people and then actually validating whether or not that is something that they want. And actually validation is on the surface, just people saying, yeah, that's interesting, or yeah, I would buy that, but that's actually not validation because as we all know, people say stuff, but don't actually do it. And so setting up pre-orders, setting up a landing page where you can collect payments or at least gauge whether or not they're taking action to say, yes, this is something I will get, not just, oh yeah, this is something I'm interested in. That's very important. So you know, probably the meat of the book is, is part four, which is what I like to call the flight simulator. Again, will it fly? There's some flight themes in here. But this is where you go through this small-scale experiment with just a small number of people in that target audience who you get access to either by the audience that you've created or through partnerships and uh, communication and getting in front of another person's audience. So you could do this from scratch. You don't need to build that blog up front even. Um, and then actually getting them to pay for stuff. And I have a number of case studies and examples of people who have done this and have either failed and said, gosh, thank, thank God I did that small experiment because it's very obvious that this is something that although they're interested, they would never pay for or it becomes a hit and they know up front, yes, this is going to work. And then they go to that full scale launch and blog and brand behind that thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. There's so much research you can do. I, I remember when I was constructing training for this exact same subject, uh, I've got a program teaching uh, blog topic selection. And I remember sort of thinking uh, some of the, but I want to do a lot of research to see what everyone else is saying. It's almost like what you just said, to see what everyone else is teaching about how to pick a topic. Mm-hmm. Because you've got the hardcore analytical people, then you've got the bloggers. And, you know, some people are saying, like I remember John Morrow, for example, he was like, you know, don't start a blog put a landing page up and, and see if you can get some people onto an email list and then, you know, maybe learn from those people and, and construct your offer from them and then roll mm-hmm. out the blog. And then there was more of the traditional internet marketing information marketer guys. And I remember Evan Pagan was always get people on a private coaching call. That's the first thing you should sell. You know, don't go build products. Don't go build blogs offer consulting or coaching and have the conversation with a paying customer because then you're kind of like finding out all the things you just talked about with someone who just paid you money mm-hmm. to get help with that problem. And I loved these sort of different combinations. But I think a lot of this comes down to personality types as well. I know some of the people I coach, they they their <laughs> their inherent desire is to either create content or not. You know, some right, hate right. <laughs> their, their inherent desire is to buy ads or not, you know, uh, and it's very rare to find a, a one individual who actually enjoys every part of this research process, whether it's keyword research, pay-per-click traffic, 
creating a landing page, writing sales copy, uh, even running a survey or talking to someone privately on a coaching call. You know, the introverts oh, yeah. are like, I'm not sure I want to do that. And totally. I don't feel confident enough. So, you know, what do you say to the people who are uh, either way? You know, they, they don't feel like they're a complete human being in terms of doing all these activities. Is there, like, is it possible just to do the one thing you're good at and get a result, you think? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely possible. I mean, I think, uh, I've proved that when I first started cause I didn't do, I didn't, I didn't start in this way. I, I wish I knew about this stuff because I would have probably gotten different products out sooner and made a lot more money, but in a slow kind of, uh, you know, day to day kind of way, I built a blog cause I was just deathly afraid of putting myself out there. I didn't want to talk to anybody and I just put content out. And then over time, you know, over a year and a half, I eventually found out who my audience was and how I could serve them. And so, yeah, def- definitely. But I think this is the, this is the way to know because again, this is, a, this is like the shortcut for, well, what happens after a year and a half and I don't have an audience, mm. you know, that sort of thing. So this is kind of a way to speed through that. And, and again, a lot of, a lot of the research will, which is still behind the scenes, uh, will help you with that conversation that you have in your head. But on the flip side, I'm like, because when I talk to people and I, I coach people through this process, you know, they are scared of talking to other people. Just that alone freaks them out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, if you have a business and you have an expertise and you really want to help people, you might actually be doing your potential customers, these people that you could help a disservice by just being shy. And you have to put yourself out there. I mean, if you want to build a long-term business, I feel like you have to really put yourself out there. And that's why this is cool because you could start small. Actually, one of the chapters is just, there's an exercise which which the goal is just talk to one person about your idea. So this is like almost kind of a training manual for entrepreneurs. It's like kind of getting into the process of doing these things that on, successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurs do, but not all up front and not, not at the same time. Like, um, it's like dating. I, I was amazed how much dating oh, totally. and business are overlapping. You know? You're totally right, which is funny because you mentioned Evan Pagan from David D'Angelo, right? David Double your dating. Um, but it, it is so true. And so it is, it, in a way, it, it's very much like that where you're kind of feeling this idea out, you're seeing what it's like, you go on these first dates and you don't really go all the way, of course, because it could just turn out to be... Because you're a Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't, have a, you don't want to have a one-night stand with your business ideas. No. You, you want to you learn who this person is or who this idea is and who they're for or who it's for. I keep crossing over the different um, analogies now. You screwed me <laughs> no, up. But, yeah, no, but uh, no, it, it, it's really interesting. I mean, there's, there's a guy uh, named Noah Kagan, who has a business at AppSumo and Sumo Me and uh, a few other things. Uh, he validated a business idea, and it's a case study in the book, and I interviewed him on this too. Where, uh, so the tacos? No, it was actually beef jerky. <laughs> okay, uh, oh, right, But of close. You're, you're pretty close. <laughs> I remember it's, the jerky, yep. It's usually a food type yes. of item but, uh, with <laughs> Noah. But uh, he, in 24 hours, was able to validate a business idea for a beef jerky subscription service and was able to generate $1,000 in profit within 24 hours. But he did put himself out there. He went up to people and just asked them what they like and dislike and how they would best be served this thing. And so it turned into this healthy snack that people love to try different kinds of jerkies. And you know, even before he figured out the manufacturing process of how to put these things together, he just wanted to see if this is something people wanted. And when I think about it that way, I'm like, why wouldn't you start with that? Why would you potentially risk all this time not even just the money, because a lot of times you could start a blog or these things for free, but the the time is something you can't get back, and that's really what this process is all about. Is 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 that again that shortcut to figure it out beforehand, 
so you don't waste that time and money. Yeah, it's it's hindsight, isn't it? I, I can't remember during the early days. I remember writing this recently on some blog posts when I was talking about this subject of choosing a topic and finding where there is money to be made in a market. And I was thinking back to my early decision-making process for what things I started. I remember I had this very naive and simplistic view of entrepreneurship. I saw it as come up with a great product idea and then buy billboard ads or TV ads or radio ads, and then it would take off because of the, the utility, the, you know, the effectiveness of the product itself. And that's often because you kind of focus on the bigger products that you know of in the real world, you know, like an iPhone or a, um, you know, a certain camera if you're into photography or a certain car. And you, know, you don't sort of think that, you know, is BMW running some pay-per-click ads to test whether their BMW is going to sell or not, right? You know, you, mm-hmm, don't, mm-hmm. you don't read about that. So I thought, that's it. And I didn't even think about marketing or testing or asking whether the audience wanted to actually purchase it and why they did or why they didn't, all those things. Right, right. So uh, It's sort yeah. of like, you know, on TV, right? When, when a new series is coming out, what's the first episode usually called? a pilot episode. Right. I don't know if it's called pilot because it has to do with flying, which is a cool coincidence in this case. Um, but it's like they show it and they get the reaction before they end up, you know, getting in the studio and act- hiring the actors for the whole rest of the time. And even the actors know like, okay, this this may or may not work out, but here's our best foot forward. Here's what it's going to be like. Let's see what the reaction is before then we end up putting the rest of the time and money into it. So in the last sort of five minutes here, Pat, before you have to run off on your, your interview train that I know you're doing today. <laughs> Man, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I'm, I'm trying to even think. You've got the Smart Podcast Player, Security Guard HQ, um, Smart Passive Income, the podcast, the blog, the YouTube TV channel. Food Trucker. Food Trucker. Uh, the Leeds exams are still kind of trucking away behind the scenes a little bit. I know you don't to focus on it anymore and also the same with your apps business right those yep. is there anything i'm missing here uh uh well the book and the, the other book. courses and uh raising two kids and <laughs> trying to be a good husband well, at home i was going to ask you about soccer you know, coaching like, like and, yes choosing it's the, a lot of stuff <laughs> I, was, I was referring to picking all these businesses you started not necessarily your children and your wife <laughs> i don't think you did market research for those decisions uh, you no. probably well, did. Well, i mean i did date my wife <laughs> yeah I guess they did market <laughs> research. You probably read a few books about, you know, having a baby first too. But um, <laughs> thinking back to all those projects now, is there any? Because obviously, you don't have time to talk about them all. But uh, you know, something, some of that software, some of those are niche websites. Some of those are big branded businesses. Some mm-hmm. of those are information products. So, have you found there's some universal truths across the board, no matter what product type, when it comes to your own experience launching those successful products that maybe you could share? Like, you know, what had to go right to make those work? Yeah, great, great question. I love that. So, with the smart podcast player, for example, I really had to show people what it was like before they wanted to buy it, right? And that's that's the case with anything, with affiliate marketing even. There's something we all do, but we don't think about is like, you need to treat those products that you're selling that are other people's as if they were your own. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? It would just show that you know that product better and, and that your audience will trust you. And I think across all the different websites, there the, that trust factor is really the most important thing. So with my software, it was the fact that I was communicating with a beta group to test that product and make sure it was like something they wanted and also working with them in a sort of lean startup kind of fashion in terms of what what uh, additional features should be in there. And it made them feel like it was more more for them instead of me just putting something out there um, and having them 
be forced to, to kind of buy that. Uh, so with with all the websites and all the content and blog again, just the the deciding factor for the thing that's been the most successful across all the board is the relationship that you build, you build with that audience and the trust that you have with them. And it might sound funny I say that because, for example, securityguardtraininghq.com, you don't even know I'm on the site. But there's a, rela- there's a trust factor there in terms of, well, is this the right content? Is this the most updated stuff? Is, you know, is there somebody on the other end actually putting the time and effort to make sure that the person who lands on that website, whatever kind of website or product that might be, that might be is of the most high-end quality in terms of Yes, this is the information I need. Again, it doesn't need to be a fancy looking website. It doesn't need to be the best looking thing. It needs to just be navigate, navigationable, <laughs> uh, navigable, uh, whatever. Easy, easy to navigate. To a, yeah, easy to navigate. And also just the stuff that is actually helpful. And um, across the board, that that's the number one factor. So with whatever, for those of you listening, with whatever you create, when people land on that page that you have, what is their first impression? Is that, are you giving off you know, trust or are you, are you, are you kind of putting up red flags and the easiest and best way to do this? And I think this is a good practice based off of what we said earlier is to reach out to some of your email subscribers, talk to people who have been to your website and literally ask them, what was your first impression on my website? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And I do this. I actually literally put this in my calendar every single month to reach out and have a phone or Skype conversation with 10 of my audience members out of the, you know, the email list is what, 150K now, but only talking to 10 people. Oh, how does this help? I've gotten the best information from these little five to 10 minute conversations because they tell me exactly what I need to know, not necessarily what I want to hear, which is sometimes what we put online when you, when you put out a survey, even sometimes they don't even tell you the truth. But when you have these conversations on phone or Skype, you talk, you can get deeper, you can really hear the intonation and the, the, you know, what they're saying and, and use that information moving forward. Awesome. Okay, Pat. So where do we go for the book? Will it fly? So head on over to willitflybook.com. And uh, that, that's where it's at, willitflybook.com. I, I appreciate you all spending time with me today. Yara. I'm so thankful for our friendship and, and the fact that you're helping uh, you know, with the book and stuff. And um, you know, I'm here for you and your audience too. You've, uh, you've done a lot. I've talked about this on the blog before, but you know, when I first started out, you were a big reason why I had the motivation and, and, and um, to do what I uh, have done. And, and so I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, Pat. And I'm glad to play a small part in the start of what you did. And this is a great subject. So I strongly recommend anyone who's still struggling or has struggled with the, I can't figure out where there's money to be made, or I don't know how to validate, or I'm not sure whether my passion translates into money. Those are great questions that need to be answered before you dive in and build a business. So uh, will it fly book? com from Pat will be a, or is by the time you're listening to this, a great place to start and get some solid research methodology practices to implement online and hopefully answer that question. So Pat, thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for joining us on this Entrepreneur's Journey special edition of this podcast. And if you want to get the show notes or the transcript to go along with it, you know where to go. Just Google my name, Yaro, Y-A-R-O, and that'll take you to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast where you can find Pat's episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Pat Flynn and you're feeling excited about validating or finding a profitable topic for your online business. 
We'll be going back to the regular scheduled Entrepreneur's Journey style interviews, so don't worry, that was just a special once-off discussion. Normally, you'll get the full hour-long interviews where I dive deep into the background story of a specific entrepreneur and how they got started. If you want to make sure you get those interviews as soon as I release them, then you must sign up for my Interviews Club email list. Go to interviewsclub.com, enter your name into the form you'll find on that page where you can then subscribe. And every time I release a brand new interview, I'll send you an email. You'll also get a series of my very best interviews from the past, the archives, sent to you on a regular basis. So you'll never be short of amazing, inspiring interviews from other online entrepreneurs. Okay, just one more request before you go. If you could log into your iTunes software right now and take a minute to leave me a review, you can find the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast by doing a search in iTunes for my first name, Yaro, Y-A-R-O. Once you find it, click the review button and let me know what you think of the show. I really appreciate your comments. Okay, that's it for this episode. I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.